Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 95. The African Cup of Nations has arrived. Yep, this is a great tournament. Uh, not one that I've really truly followed from start to finish ever before. I think I've, I've definitely watched the knockout rounds, definitely watched the final before, seen a scat- smatter of group games, but I decided this year I'm trying to watch as much of it as possible, keep up with it, because it's an awesome tournament. And let's be honest, it is disrespected worldwide. It's not considered worthy to watch for too many people. For what reason, I don't really know. What's great, though, is there was so much noise in the build-up to this. People saying, look, African players from the Premier League need to be released without people saying, oh, would you rather go or do you really want to go? No. Respect the competition. That's been something that's been said a lot over the last month and a half. And I think it resonated because just to take a few uh, little examples, our little podcasting community, all the independent podcasters, everyone's covering this. And rightfully so. Right? This is an international tournament. When the Euros were around, people were you know, pushing the boat out to do anything. I mean, I was doing daily episodes. So Copa America, everyone covered that as well. African Cup of Nations deserves its due. Gold Cup of Nations Cup as well. Don't, don't want to leave those out. But African Cup of Nations is here now. It's a great tournament because it's its own thing. It looks different than the Euros. It looks different than the Gold Cup. The stadiums tend to have tracks around them, so you have this larger-looking field space. You don't get to see the crowd maybe as much. Obviously, the crowds are limited at the moment due to COVID, but there is a feel towards the games. I think uh, some people have said it's a great mix of power, strength, uh, physicality, of course. Then there's some excellent, excellent players. I mean, top, top top-level players. You know who they are. They play all throughout Europe. They're considered some of the best in the world. And then you also get people who come from lower leagues that are playing in these national teams with someone like Mohamed Salah. And so you do get amateurish moments, which makes it loads of fun. Everyone loves, I guess, just the variety of what you get. If you're looking for the highest top class match with the best TV production, AFCON's not really the thing. It's a different competition, and it has its own spice, which I hope everyone gets to really see. It's gotten off to an okay start. Not a whole lot of goals. Games haven't been that exciting yet, but I put that down as first round of games are going to be a little bit cagey until you get some game that goes off the rails and is like 4-3 or you get some outstanding goals that kind of loosen everyone in the competition up a little bit. That'll help. Also, just getting through one match of play for each team, having only had about a week or two to really get themselves ready for this in the lead up. It's less preparation time than than players get for the Euros or the Copa America because those are in the summer. This is kind of like you play till the very last minute with your club team and then you're gone and then you've got about a week to get ready. So I think we're going to have to wait one round, maybe two rounds of group games before things really start to heat up. Cameroon are the hosts. Uh, they got off to a good winning start, 2-1, two, two goals from Vincent Abubakar from the penalty spot. So, you know, not quite the goals you really want to see. And, and the rest of the games have been very, very slender margins, right? Guinea beat Malawi 1-0. Morocco beat Ghana 1-0. This morning, Algeria and Sierra Leone drew 0-0. Uh, Nigeria beat Egypt 1-0. So some, you know, cagey affairs. But overall, I think the quality has been pretty decent. Uh, one thing that drove me up the wall and over the top of the building and down the, the fire stairwell, if you will, 
was the coverage that BN Sports did of Morocco versus Ghana. Now, I, I can't I can't say exactly how many people saw exactly what I saw. Right? From what I understand, people who were watching the match in the UK on Sky Sports or people who had a different feed here in the US, they didn't see what I saw. Now, I posted this on my Instagram profile because I thought it was outrageous. They show the graphic at the very beginning of the game for this match, and they show Ghana's starting lineup, right? The commentator goes, they're going with a 4-2-3-1, says who's in goal, and then, he lo- and then you look at around the field, and they've got the two IU brothers, Andre and Jordan, playing right back and center back, Thomas Partey at center back, Joseph Paintsill, who's a defender, is playing up front, uh, it was it was weird. There were two Babas on the screen. I wasn't exactly sure what that was all about. They totally botched that graphic. And I mean badly. It just looked so unprofessional. And this is being sports, so I, I would have expected them to get this right. That's a little annoying. The next thing that drove me absolutely crazy, and again, from what I've talked to, different people who saw different uh, feeds, different channels, they didn't experience this. They had a water break. And I don't mean that the players stopped and had a water break. I mean, BN Sports decided water break, air quotes. They literally just cut to commercial for two minutes. The game was still being played. It didn't stop. And I found that as a soccer fan, I mean, this is a commercial-free match aside from halftime, post, and pregame. You do not run commercials during the game, ever. Like, you just should never do it. And here they are saying water break when there really isn't one. I thought that was outrageous. Um, I think that's the kind of thing that if it did happen at the Euros, if that kind of thing did happen for the Copa America, there would be an uproar from fans who are watching. Now, since that game, I've yet to see this water break thing happen on these other BN Sports feeds. So I'm hoping that they got the message or realized they shouldn't do it or whatever. But to me, from a broadcasting side of it, It's almost as if they've decided, look, we're not going to get that much viewership for this competition. We need to sell more ads, even if it dilutes the experience of watching the game. I don't know if that's the way they looked at it. It certainly felt that way to a certain degree, which adds to the layer of disrespect for the competition and disrespect for the fans who are watching it. So I don't know what the what the what how that is. I don't know how it's going to pan out so far. I've yet to see that again since that game. But I will keep an eye out. And if I do see that more, I will continue to uh, let people know so that we can actually just make sure that BN is not doing this consistently. You cannot you cannot go down this route, in my opinion. Um, so I was, I was annoyed about that. But I just think that now we're in a space where the tournament's going. People are starting to get a little bit more interested by the day. And it's going to be it's going to be a whole ton of fun, I think, for the rest of this month. Now, This episode, I want to focus more on the smallest story. This is one of the things that always always get me. I I watched a great match between Gabon and the Comoros Islands. Now, if you went through and you're looking at the groups and you see this Comoros Islands, you might be wondering exactly where that is. These are the ultimate minnows of the competition. They are debutantes in AFCON 2021. And I'm going to give you all a little bit of a geography, history, football lesson here, if you will. Kind of like if you listen to the Transnistria FC Sheriff episode a few back, we're going to get into it a little bit like that. Not quite as in-depth. But I do think this is very interesting. Me, 
I, it's one of the things that I love about football is that you can discover something and then discover a part of the world along with a certain player or club or or nation. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'd like to travel there or see that. So let's talk about the Comoros Islands. They are small island chain, volcanic islands, just northwest of Madagascar. Okay, so this is in the Seychelles, Maldives, Reunion, it's in that area. So if you've seen pictures of these places, the Maldives, this is very beautiful, paradise-looking beach type of thing, gorgeous water. So for anyone who, hadn't, who has always wanted to go to the Maldives but think, oh, it's too much, too expensive, well, hey, you've got this, you've got this option, the Comoros Islands, and now you can watch their football team play in the African Cup of Nations. So... What is it with the Comoros Islands? Why is it that this country that almost no one has heard of have made it to this tournament? What's the story, right? I mean, I imagine a lot of people wonder. Well, I decided to do some digging. Now, first we have to talk about the way qualification works in AFCON for this tournament. There are, it's an A through L, so there's 12 groups. Top two teams from each group advance to the main tournament. They were able to get out of a group that had Kenya and Togo. And Egypt. So Egypt won the group. Comoros Islands came in second. That's how they got through. Now, the structure of African Cup of Nations, again, there are 12 groups. So first and second will go through, and then four third-place teams will join them, which is exactly what we saw at the Euros. So all these teams that you consider not in the top two of any group, they still have a shot. And they still have a shot at qualifying. And look, that that is... That's kind of cool because you can really get Cinderella stories that come out of that. But let's talk about Comoros and their history as a footballing nation because, by all accounts, you kind of wonder how how on earth they made it here. So it was a French territory, right? From from colonialism, France just you know they owned the Comoros Islands basically. It was just a territory. And in 1974, they actually voted to get their independence. Okay, now, Comoros was comprised of four islands as a nation. Three of them decided to get their independence. The island of Mayotte decided to stay a territory of France. Now, you have to understand, French territories, they operate with the euro. They, have, they, they get uh, all the same benefits that a French person living in Strasbourg or Paris gets in terms of pensions, the taxes, the way everything everything is you are part of the French system as a territory. So in a lot of ways, financially and for stability of a government, it kind of just helps to stay part of France for a lot of these countries. But the Comoros Islands, three of these islands, they made a decision to gain independence. Now, this makes it difficult. I mean honestly in the time that they've in, in that time since 1974, from the research that I did, it sounds like there have been over a dozen up to 20 coups where political power has been changed over, it's been seized by someone, lost by them, moved on. The French who understand this region, they're like, yeah, that country has, it's always a mess. You know what, though? I really want to give them massive credit here because to demand your independence and to try and set up your own government, your own everything, it takes a lot more work and courage to do that than to just stay a territory of the French government. Not that I'm blaming anyone here, but I really want to give them praise and props for making that decision for independence. It's really cool. 
So on the football side, they they very quickly created a football federation. In 74, they got their independence. In 79, they quickly formed their, their federation. But it took until 2003 for them to be recognized by the African Football Federation, CAF. And then it wasn't until 2005 that they were a part of FIFA. Their highest rank is like 173rd or something like that. Their lowest rank is down in the 200s, almost dead last. They haven't really been in any kind of competitive participation at all, really, until now. So how did it get here? Well, they had to play games. They had to do some kind of football with this federation. And you're wondering who they play against. If they weren't a part of the African Federation, they weren't a part of FIFA. What, what did they do? Well, here's where I learned about a new tournament. The um, International Olympic Committee, they actually created this thing called the Indian Ocean Island Games. Uh, it's a multi-sport quadrennial event. And it comprised of the island territories that are in that area. So this is Mauritius, Madagascar, Seychelles, Reunion, Mayotte. These are the islands that participate in this. It's like a mini Olympics, it's like fencing, judo, you know, cycling, Olympic sports, right? So it's just for them there. Now, you'd think, well, with such a limited field, they've probably done well. well here's the thing. They've never won. Uh, the football team has never actually won that competition, never made it to the final. The best they did was finish third. So there's no rich history of doing well, even in uh, a field of six teams. How on earth did they qualify for the African Cup of Nations? This all goes back to their current coach, Amir Abdu. He took over in 2014. And he decided the only way, the only way they were going to get uh, to raise the level and the profile of the country was to use the reverse immigration colonialism stuff, uh, those mechanisms and loopholes, and use them to attract players from the island diaspora who are living in France to come back and play for the motherland. That's basically the idea. So the majority of the team is born and raised in France. And Amir Abdu decided, those are the guys that I need to get. I need to get guys whose parents, grandparents, they have some kind of lineage to the Comoros Islands. If we can get them to decide to play for our country, then we're raising the profile immediately. And that is exactly what he did. He spent a few years really really recruiting the players. And now, now that he did it, it's a pretty staggering piece of work. They have a 25-man squad 21 of those players were born and raised in France, okay? 21. The other four, one of them was born in the Comoros Islands. The other three were born on Mayotte. This is the island that has stayed a department of France, a territory, as opposed to gaining their independence. So that's pretty wild in itself. Uh, where do they play? 17 of them play in the different tiers of the French uh, of, of France. They also have two that played for Stade Lausanne in Switzerland, two that play in Holland, one in Belgium, one in Romania, and one one in Cyprus, and one in Croatia. That's that's where the team plays their club football. Uh, so only Abdallah Ali Mohammed was born on Comoros. He's 22 years old. He's the only one on the team who was actually born on the island in that country. Uh, 22-year-old Moussa Jimoy, 21-year-old forward Faiz Matoir, and 32-year-old midfielder Alfaru Mohamed Ben Nabouan. Love that name. They were all born in Mayotte. So that, that it's it really is an impressive thing what he's managed to do. And he got all these guys to come because it, it's about having 
the ability to play for a national team that is close to your heart. And these are guys, you have to understand, the way France is, and we've, and we've talked about this, plenty of people have talked about this with when France won the World Cup, how many of the players are basically just African, right? They either were born there and came to France young, or they were born in France, but essentially their whole family, everything is Senegalese or, or from Cameroon or something. And so a lot of these players, they end up playing for the French national team and not representing the country that maybe they could have. Well, now, Amir Abdu, being a very clever guy, sees an entire pool of players who qualify as Comoros residents, as Comoros, as being from those islands in some, some part of their history and lineage, and was able to recruit them to come down and really adopt being a part of this. Now, the great thing for these guys is some of them play in second division, third division French league. Well, now they're playing in the African Cup of Nations. So this is a great ticket for players to, in a way, rediscover their own lineage. I think that's a beautiful thing that the game can do. More than anything, I just love that they that Amir Abdu has decided, I'm reversing this loophole, right? The French have been able to basically poach loads and loads of players out of Africa to build this incredible team every time. And this World Cup team that won. Well, we're going to reverse it. We're going to go the other way, and we're going to make our country better. And we're going to get these guys off the table. They're not going to be French international. Now they are committed to the Comoros Islands. So cool. Like, I just love that he did that. Now, the one of the funnest things about the Comoros Islands, and I mean, AFCON in general, is if you look at the mascots, sort of like the team names of everybody, there's a lot that make a lot of sense. One of the ones that throws you for a loop is... The Comoros Island Coalescence? Hmm. What's a coalescence? Hey, for all you marine biologists out there, you're going, ah, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. Well, for all, those of us who do not know, this is what I picked up during the commentary of their game against Gabon. The coalescence is a fish that was thought to be extinct and ended up being rediscovered right by the islands. So that you know how interesting this fish is, it is the size of, well, me. It's over six feet long and weighs around 200 pounds. That's awesome. That's a cool fish. I want to see one of those. And so this is what their mascot is. This is sort of like the national, their, sort of their national treasure in a way. And because it was thought to be extinct and rediscovered, there. So it's sort of theirs. And I, I just, I love that cultural piece. This is the thing about African Cup of Nations. Look at the way every single team identifies. There's something very deep in what it means, what your surroundings are, what the country is like, what what matters in your history. I, there's a lot of countries that are called the Lions. Well, the English are the three Lions. Why? There's no I, there's no Lions in England. So these are actually far more appropriate for where they are. Cape Verde is the Blue Sharks. Tubarões Azulis. I believe that means blue sharks in Portuguese. It's really, really great. You know, these are the kinds of things that make AFCON really fun, really special. And look, I hope that we get the, be the really good games that we want from this tournament. It would really be a bummer if there just were too many duds. But the stories, right? Some of the players that you've never heard of that you will find out more about and maybe see as, as, as they get a little bit older, as they maybe get... A certain amount of attention in this tournament remember this is what it's all about football brings people together and once again i hope you enjoyed a little nugget on a country you may have never heard of before this is campfire football have a good one